Thank you, Sam. Here we all are. Hope you're all doing okay. It's quite something to see this place all dotted with people instead of just empty again. It's great. You're all looking so good. Wow. Haven't we had a couple of years, my goodness. And for two plus years, we have really felt the effects of this pandemic, haven't we? Oh my goodness. Lockdowns, sickness, isolation, fear and anxiety, they're biggies. Loneliness, restrictions, all the stress and dramas of homeschooling for some, job losses, financial hardships, marriage issues, so many mental health issues, and on and on we could go. A while ago, Tark mentioned Job 5 and verse 7, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upwards. And isn't that the truth? And we've certainly been through it over these past two long years. Well, you know what I mean. A year is a year. But some years just feel long. Our perception of time fluctuates wildly. They say time flies when you're having fun. And on the other hand, when we feel depressed, bored to death, Time slows right down. It all depends on what we're doing and how we're doing. But whatever we go through, however long it takes, even when time just stands still, let's not waste that time. And this morning I want to look at how we can grow through what we go through. A lot of words I'm going to say but basically two key thoughts. The first step is to growth is daily drink from the water of God's word and the second step is obedience. Those are the two keys. You know God is so loving and so purposeful. He's always up to something in our lives. Seriously. Now we can't always put our finger on it and this life can totally feel long and hard, but God has a plan. As we know, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Say it with me. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. Right. Now what does growing look like? Worst case scenario, it doesn't look like anything. Time passes us by, and that prophetic word that God gave us so long ago has not happened. The gifts and the calling that we feel that God has given us are just lying dormant. Our problem that we can't get rid of is still bugging us. That great promise has never been fulfilled. What is going on? Yes, we're going through it. But are we growing through it? You know, at those kind of times, I feel so encouraged by the words of that song, Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. I love those words. 
And we really have to focus on that truth. Whatever we're feeling or not feeling, God is working. All things work together for good for those who love God. And that's us. You know, there are those times when nothing seems to be happening. And then there are growth spurts. After two plus years of lockdown, I was so blessed to catch up with a boy who has since grown into a t tall, handsome teenager. And when I say grown, I mean grown, like wow. You know how some kids just shoot up, like the Chinese bamboo. Now we've all heard about that, right? This spectacular plant even gets a mention in the Guinness Book of Records for being the fastest growing plant on the planet. The Chinese bamboo takes five years to grow, like that's under the ground, literally nothing happens. Five years, it's like let the dirt do its work. I'll mention that at the end. But those five year, in those five years, it has to be fertilised at times, and it has to be watered every day. Get that? Watered every day for five years when you can't see anything happening. And then after five years, it breaks through the ground and it grows to 90 feet high in five weeks. They say one type of Chinese bamboo plant can grow up to 35 inches in a day. That's about one and a half inches in an hour. You can literally see it growing. Now this amazing tree is one of the hardest materials in the world, stronger than steel or concrete, great for bicycle frames, and even good to eat. Just ask a panda bear. <laughs> the Chinese bamboo tree gives us a picture of how personal development can work. Looks like nothing's happening for a long time and then suddenly there's that spurt and we see that with some teenagers. We also see it in the biblical imagery of a deadly accurate arrow that's been polished, honed, prepared to be fired from the bow and then shot out to hit the target. Isaiah 49 and verse 2, He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. And we see this principle in the Bible, how some of God's servants needed a time of preparation. And those with a significant calling sometimes needed a significant time of private dealing with God. Moses, for example, spent 40 years in the backside of the desert before he encountered God in the burning bush and then he was sent to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. David went through the solitude of shepherding sheep in the wilderness before he was anointed as king of Israel. And even then there were many long hard years before he actually became king. So when we're looking at growing through what we're going through, I'm not talking about just sitting around waiting for it to happen. We need to be proactive. You know, when a person's going through deep grief, people often say time heals. Well, not quite. People who teach about grief say it's not just the time, it's what you do in the time that heals.
And David used his time in the wilderness to upskill with his slingshot, to develop his relationship with God, to grow in his faith by killing a bear and a lion with his bare hands, songwriting, playing the harp, worshipping. And we can use our time to upskill, develop our gifts, grow in our walk with God, sort out our issues, maybe take antidepressant medication, forgive others, get fit, study, whatever. We need to ask God what we've got to do in order to grow through what we go through. Now John the Baptist was another isolated figure. He was in the desert for a long time before he began his ministry preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. The Apostle Paul received his commission and then he was off to Arabia for years in the desert learning and getting prepared for the great work for God that he had to do. I read about these two lumberjacks who challenged each other to this contest a bit. Who could chop down the most trees in one day? Well, as soon as it was light, one of them was out there working up a sweat and he was furiously chopping down trees. By lunchtime, he'd cut down 16 trees. Meanwhile, his friend had only cut down four trees. He spent the first two hours sharpening his axe. His friend just laughed. He was just certain that he was going to win because the other guy was wasting so much time. But by early afternoon, the tables were turning. The first guy was really slowing down. It took him nearly an hour to chop down one tree, but his friend was really picking up speed. What was going on? They were both strong lumberjacks, but strength wasn't the issue. In the end, it came down to whose axe was the sharpest. By late afternoon, the second lumberjack who had sharpened his axe had passed his friend by several trees, and he easily won the bet. And that's just a little picture of the process. When we're out of sight, hidden in the quiver, sharpening the axe, buried in the ground like the Chinese bamboo plant, God is preparing us to hit the mark for him. Yeah. And Jesus is our great example here. As we see in Isaiah 49 and verse 2, this really applies to him. He may, I'll read it again. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. And Jesus is by far the most powerful and influential person ever to set foot on this planet. So it's surprising that we hardly know anything about his childhood, adolescence, early adulthood, especially if you think about the volumes written about him and the phenomenal interest that his followers had in his life. But he was hidden for his own safety and hidden from the public eye until his time came, being made into a polished arrow. That's about being formed into a weapon that's so smooth and sharp it can pierce way deeper than a sword. 
and his mouth was made into a sharp sword. And think about it, Jesus was well prepared to speak with great authority, and his words really penetrated the heart of his hearers. So we read quite a bit about his spectacular beginning, his birth, and then some events around that time, and then we get that little glimpse when he was 12, and that's it, until he was 30. But those hidden years produced a perfectly smooth and polished arrow, and then he was shot out from the bow, as it were, and he flew straight all the way to Calvary. He never deviated from the path. And he hit the mark at Calvary where he sacrificed his life for the salvation of mankind. Now God's hidden servant also applies to Israel because God goes on there in verse 3, Thou art my servant, O Israel. And then in verse 6 he wraps it all up by saying that Israel is a polished arrow aimed at a big target, the salvation of of the whole world, and I'll just read the end bit there. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Well, now that we're God's people, we come in. We too have a part to play in the salvation of the entire world, because God is honing and polishing us for this purpose. Now, some are called into public ministry, but we're all polished arrows that God has prepared to fly straight and far. On an individual level, we've all got a target to hit. Maybe our family members, friends, workmates, prayer, whatever, but we've all got a part to play in bringing revival to this nation. Now, our precious Saviour had almost 30 years in complete obscurity. But as he was going through those years, he was growing, really growing, and becoming equipped for the greatest service ever rendered to God and to mankind. And God really appreciated Jesus' growth through those years. They ended with this wonderful affirmation, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, God didn't say that after Jesus finished his mission. No, this was at the beginning. This was at his baptism. He hadn't even got started. And God was powerfully affirming how pleased he was with Jesus through these years of growing and maturing through his childhood, adolescence, and all that, growing in wisdom, growing in favor with God and with man. And Luke gives us this little summary of these years. The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now, Jesus would have grown up speaking Aramaic. He would have attended a Jewish school, and he would have read Jewish scripture, the Old Testament, and heard scripture recited in the synagogues. And most scholars believe that that Jesus knew scripture well, knew the Old Testament well. And wisdom, of course, is a byproduct of knowing the word. 
Remember that Chinese bamboo plant? For five long years, it's underneath the surface of the ground, in the dirt. Looks like nothing's happening. But through those years, when nothing's happening, it has to be watered every single day. And that's powerful because we also need that daily watering to grow and to grow our faith. And throughout the Bible, there are a number of verses about water being the word of God. Ephesians 5 verse 26 is one, that he might sanctify her, that's the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water water with the word. Now the word of God is spoken of as both water and as bread. All depends what you're preaching about, right? And to, we need, But we need both water and bread on a daily basis. And today it's water because I'm talking about the Chinese bamboo plant. So whatever fits, you use. Now we need water. We need that daily input from the word of God. And that would have been a big part of Jesus' growth. He grew in wisdom. Now, first of all, that tells us when he was growing up, he didn't know everything. He wasn't omniscient when he grew up. And Luke gives us that idea that he followed the normal pattern of growth and development. Luke 2, verse 41 to 51, tells us about this event when Jesus was 12 years old. The family went to Jerusalem and somehow he got separated from his parents. So Jesus stayed on in the temple. Meanwhile, his parents were freaking out. And Jesus totally impressed the teachers and the um, other people there with his understanding. They were amazed at his understanding questions, answers. He was obviously way ahead of his peers in his understanding of scripture. But he was asking questions. So clearly he didn't know everything at that point. So we see here that God saw it was good for his own son to go through the lion's share of his life following all the normal stages of growing up. It was good for his growth and development, body and soul and for his relationships with God and with others. So we can really trust God that every season and every stage of life, however hard it is, is good for us, and that we're able to grow through every stage that we go through. Now, Jesus only lived on this planet for 33 years. For most of us, we will go through to old age. And we have people here in Church Unlimited right up into their 90s, hitting the mark and serving God in a wonderful way. So God's plan for us continues right through every stage of life. Now Jesus grew in favour with God and man. Luke 2 verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and man. And this echoes the words of 1 Samuel 2.26. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favour with the Lord and also with man. So these verses reinforce the message here that growing in favour and in relationship with God 
is not at the expense of our love for other people. Forget that old saying about someone being of so, um, what, so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly use. No. Loving God and loving others, loving our neighbour, loving God and loving our family all go hand in hand. One does not cancel out the other. And Jesus learned obedience. That daily intake of God's word and obedience are our two key thoughts that we're looking at for us to grow through what we go through. And a vital part of Jesus' growth was about learning obedience. That would be obedience to his parents, to God and to God's word. Hebrews 5, 7-9 In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now that was the end of Jesus' life, that particular um, instance. But throughout Jesus' life, he learned obedience. That does not mean that he started off disobedient and had to get it sorted. No. Jesus was never disobedient. That simply means that he started out as a baby and he grew from sinless immaturity to sinless maturity and learned to obey throughout. Obedience is about diligently and consistently putting God's word into practice. And this was well established in Jesus' life and as we know it culminated with him sacrificing his life at Calvary. Now I'm going to read this testimony about obedience in the challenging scenario of a difficult marriage. This applies, this is about obedience to God's word. It can apply in every situation. And this is my paraphrased version. A lady called Shireen tells about how she and her husband celebrated 20 years of marriage in 221 last year. And each anniversary, she thinks, how on earth did we ever make it? Shireen and her husband were both in their 20s when they were brought together in a traditional Indian arranged marriage. She says, arranged marriages were all we'd ever known. Generations before us had made it look successful and even easy, so I didn't think that it would be difficult for us. But it was. It was hard and painful. I struggled, floundered, and wondered if it would be easier to just walk away. Everything was wrong. On the outside, it looked like we had the perfect life, but inside it was a different story. She goes on, I wanted to walk away, but as a new Christian, I knew this was wrong. For years, I tried to sort this out in my own strength. Now it was time to surrender to God's way and to obey his word. And this is the key. 20 years later, 
She says, God has transformed my marriage and taught me some life-changing lessons. Lesson number one, I saw the purpose of marriage is to make us holy. Now, in his book, Sacred Marriage, Gary Thomas asks, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? Sorry, guys. This totally challenged my thinking. I'd always thought that marriage was about making us happy. I had no idea that holiness was an integral part of the deal. I thought both God and my husband owed it to me to make me happy. To make matters worse, my husband and I were both far from holy. We were two flawed, broken people who didn't know what it meant to to obey God and to be holy like he is. She goes on, after I got that revelation, I saw my marriage as a way for God to heal, to deal with my selfishness and immaturity, which meant I had to walk in serious obedience to God's word. Shireen adds, and I totally agree with this, I'm not advocating for for staying in an abusive situation. Second lesson, she says, our culture shapes our expectations of marriage. Our culture gives us the idea that love is based on our feelings, so our acts of love come out of our feelings of love. And that comes from another book, Tim Keller, The Meaning of Marriage. Now, of course, that can be true, especially at the beginning. But a greater truth that is based on God's word and which gives us hope is that actions of love can lead to feelings of love. She goes on, I didn't start with feelings of romantic love, but as I grew in the discipline of love, I would tell myself that regular actions of love would eventually lead to feelings of love, and they did. It was a process. It involved surrendering to God, trusting God, letting go my control, that's a biggie, and letting God deal with, guide me. We both needed God and the Holy Spirit to help us with patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. And through it all, our love grew. The Holy Spirit gave me a passion for God and a love for my husband, which can only be called supernatural, the kind of love that grows out of embers and becomes a mighty flame. And isn't that a wonderful part of this testimony? God gave me a love for my husband, which can only be called supernatural. How many couples need that kind of miracle? And God can do it. And here, obedience to the word was the key. So let's take hold of this today. Let God give us hope and grace that we can grow through what we're going through in marriage, in any relationship, in anything. Now moving on, Stephen Furtick, who some of you listen to, has another little play on words and that brings out a very powerful truth. As I mentioned earlier, let the dirt do its work. What was he talking about? Well, God is so practical, and Israel, God's people right from the beginning, and who first got the scriptures, got the word of God, were a nation whose dependence, existence depended on the soil. 
So God used common agricultural and farming metaphors to get his message of salvation across in ways that they and we can understand. So let the dirt do, it, do its work. It's about farming or gardening. And what he's saying is that the biggest contribution to the whole deal of reaping a harvest is not so much about sowing the seed, watering, fertilising or harvesting. Now all those are vital, it's not going to happen without that. But the biggest part, the longest part, is about letting the dirt do its work. The time in the soil. Remember our Chinese bamboo plant. And I've been talking this morning about things that are not exactly music to our ears, right? Being hidden in the quiver spending time in preparation, waiting patiently for God to fulfill his words to us, growing in obedience to God's word, letting the dirt do its work. A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. And I'm just going to look back at Jesus' death for a minute because that really tells us about letting the dirt do its work, the hard stuff. When Jesus was on his way to the cross, some of his followers obviously did not want that to happen. They didn't want their beloved Lord to suffer. When they, and they saw it as the end of his kingdom and the end to all their hopes and dreams and expectations. They were shattered, grief-stricken, and naturally everything in them wanted to see Jesus escape the cross and the grave. But Jesus courageously faced the whole deal because he knew that the dirt, his death, the grave, had a great purpose. You know, he literally could have called on legions of angels to rescue him from this tortuous and unjust execution. But he was committed to filling his mission. He was innocent, sinless and holy, which he needed to be, when it came to the legality of paying the costly ransom for the sins of all humanity, because only a sinless sacrifice could work. So Jesus took on himself the punishment for all our sins. He died on the cross, and they took his body down, and they buried him in the grave. And Stephen Furtick puts it this way, Jesus was not buried on the Friday. He was planted planted in the dirt, and the dirt did its work. And most of us here are part of the great harvest that has come out of that. Our sins are forgiven, we're saved, born again. We look forward to spending eternity in heaven when we pass from this life. Meanwhile, we are so blessed to have God's grace and love and care as we go through all the realities of life on this planet. And as the musicians come, just think about the words of that song. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. As we take in life-giving water every day by spending time in God's word and learn obedience, and as we allow the dirt to do its work, we will grow through what we go through. We will find freedom. We will hit the mark. God's got this. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word is sure. 
God, that you, as we sang before, you are our rock. You are so faithful. You will never let us down. God, we all have a mark to hit, and you're preparing. And God, you are about freedom. And Lord, I just pray that you will encourage each and every one this morning. And Lord, just bring everyone through growing whatever we're going through. In Jesus' name. Amen.